All right. Well, good morning. Morning. All right. Let's try that again. Good morning. Cool. I know it's still early. It's only eleven twenty-four. All right. Um, it's cool though. Um, so I feel it, even though it's not our main passage today. I feel it appropriate to read this passage to you just from the very get-go. It's Luke 19, starting with verse 28. It says this, When he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the place called Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples and said, Go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent left and found, found it just as they had been told. As they were untying the young donkey, its owner said to them, why are you untying this donkey? The Lord needs it, they said. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their clothes on the donkey, they helped Jesus get on it. As he went on, as he went, I'm sorry, as he was going along, they were spreading their clothes on the road. Now he came near a path down the mountain of olives, and the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Happy Palm Sunday. Um, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you've done for us and what you're going to do, Lord. Um, I, I just pray that your glory and will be done here today, this morning. Um, your words be spoken to these people and to me and, and help it to bless them and, and convict them. Whatever your will is, Lord. And we ask this in your name. Just say I pray. Amen. All right. Well, so Pastor Chris asked me, to uh, talk on the topic of suffering today. I said, all right, well, you're going to get the firsthand experience on suffering because he's letting me do it. <laughs> all right? So if you don't know who I am, I am Matt or Matthew. Um, I am the youth pastor here at First Montgomery, and we are doing what Pastor Chris said, the Joshua Project, which is where we allow the kids a chance to, like you've experienced if you're in Sunday school, to teach Sunday school and, and help them um, learn how to share the gospel, how to share who Jesus is with other people. Um, so, that being said, let's, let's get into this. All right. Um, some of us might think that uh, we have our own definition of what suffering is. For some of us, if you're me, it's suffering is waiting two full more days for the official DVD release of the new Star Wars movie. I know some of y'all may have not liked it. I don't care. I loved it. Um, so I am suffering and waiting on this. Uh, some of y'all might think that suffering is waiting in line at the DMV. Some of y'all might think suffering is getting the wrong order at McDonald's or Burger King or Whataburger, whatever's around here. We only have so few choices. Um, uh, going back to me, suffering is also uh, asking my wife seven days of the week how far along her baby is. Um, apparently, it's the same day, it's the same week every day. I have to wait a couple of weeks to ask again. Apparently, that's a thing. Um, it's always 25. It's always 25. Or 26. I don't even know anymore. All right. 
So, so let's look at some suffering in history, some suffering in the Bible, some suffering that's outside the Bible. Um, a couple of things are Israelites suffered under the, I'm sorry, let me go back. Let me tell you what suffering is first. According to the all-knowing Google, um, suffering is the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. I'll say that again. Suffering is the state of going, is undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. So now looking back in the history, some examples of suffering. Um, Israelites suffered under the authority of Pharaoh back in Exodus. Job suffered when God allowed Satan to test Job by taking everything away from him. Israel suffered every time they disobeyed God. The Holocaust saw the murder of six million Jews by Nazis and Hitler. World War II was considered to be the most destructive war ever, killing more people, damaging more property, property than ever before. 9-11 saw terrorist attack America in a way we didn't expect. We've heard about the shootings last year in the schools and in the church and this year. Suffering is, is everywhere. More personally... We've all lost someone in our lives. We've all been through or seen someone we love go through cancer or some form of sickness. We've seen someone who was born with something wrong with them. I'm an example of that. I was born with a heart condition. Suffering affects us all. We can't escape it. We've cried for ourselves, and we've cried for others. Suffering is everywhere. So that brings up the interesting question, why does God allow suffering? You know, a lot of people, this, this prevents them from coming to God, this question. Why does God allow suffering? If he's a good God, why suffering? Why just take that out of the picture? They can't comprehend why a good God allows suffering. So why does he? And to begin to answer this, we have to start with the fall of man. The fall of man. I'm talking about Adam and Eve. It can be found in the first couple of chapters of Genesis. God created Adam and Eve perfectly. They disobeyed God. They were told not to eat something, and they ate something and so sin entered the world, corrupted the world, and corrupted us along with it. So when sin entered the world, it corrupted everything, it corrupted us as well. And ultimately, this equals down to the, the, the simple answer of why does God allow suffering? And it's one word. Love. What? How, how, how does that equal love? How does, how does God allowing suffering equal love? If God forced us to love him, to make decisions that would honor him and glorify him, our relationship with him would be fake. It would not be real. God wants an honest real relationship with us, and for that to happen, we must freely choose to love him, to follow him. When, when Adam and Eve were per, put in the Garden of Eden, 
God put that, that tree in the middle and told them not to eat of it. God created them perfectly, but they still had a choice because God wanted an authentic, a real relationship with them too. So they still had a choice. Because of free will and the decision that Adam and Eve made to disobey God, like I said, sin is in the world, everything is corrupted, and people have the free will to act as they choose. So, so just because Adam and Eve sinned and sin entered the world, God didn't take away that free will. He left it because he still wanted a relationship with you and I. This means that people can choose to act bad, wicked, evil. We can also choose to accept God, to follow him, and to obey him. Again, we cannot escape suffering. It's not something that God likes that we have to go through. But the simple answer to that, why does God allow suffering, is love. Because he loves us and he wants a real relationship with us. Maybe you're asking, well, if God knew what it was like to suffer, it might be a different story. God knows what it means to suffer. See, God came to earth as a human named Jesus, fully God, fully man. And he suffered and died on the cross for our sins. He rose again and defeated death, making a way for us to have a relationship with him. Going back a little bit, close to the time before Jesus' crucifixion on the cross, he and his disciples rode into Jerusalem, which is the first thing we read today. And soon after that, they partook in what we call the Lord's Supper. Soon after that, they, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is where you can see the very, very tip, the very beginning of the suffering of Jesus. Again, if you have your Bibles, we are still in Luke chapter 22. Uh, we're going to be in, starting with verse 40. When he reached the place, he told them, they prayed, oh, he told them, pray that you may not fall into temptation. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and began to pray. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Being in anguish, he prayed more fervently, and sweat began to fall like drops of blood on the ground. When he got up from praying, he came to the disciples. He found them sleeping, exhausted from their grief. He said, why are you sleeping? Get up and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. We know that Jesus is both fully man, fully God. And here we see Jesus' humi humanity as he, as he is suffering the fear of the torture of the crucifixion of the cross and what's about to come. He's even begging God to take this away from him. He's faced with this temptation to not go through with this torture. It's not, get, it's not to get confused that he, he was tempted. He wasn't, but he still faced it. And he defeated this temptation 
by submitting to the will of God. How many of us do that when we are distressed or are facing something difficult? How many of us just looks up and say, God, I hate this, but your will be done. I trust you. Jesus is supposed to be our ultimate example. And if Jesus had to trust God, and he was God, how much more should we? He comes back to his disciples to see them sleeping. And Jesus tells them to wake up so that they don't fall into temptation. It's funny. Isn't that just like us too, though? Don't we get caught sleeping? There's a, there's a period in our lives as followers of Christ that we are on fire for God. When we first accept Christ, we're like gun-ho. We're like, yeah, let's do whatever we can for God. But then we fall asleep. We get distracted by the world and the things in the world. So when hard times come along and, and we end up suffering, we, we fall into that temptation and blame God for everything. If I could, for a second, why are we even blaming God? Why? He created us perfect, and we messed that up. Then he dies and pays for our sins so that we can be forgiven if we just come to him. He goes out of his way for us, and we have the audacity to blame him. To be clear, he doesn't need us. He doesn't. But... That's how much he loves us. He knows that even though he does this, people will still hate him, deny him, reject him. But he does it anyway. He, he's trying to grab our attention to show us who he is, but we ignore him. We think we could do better, things better than him. And yet he still loves us. God didn't care what it cost to get to us, yet he still did it. God shows us this reckless love so that we can see just how much he's willing to go out of his way for us to have a relationship with him. He doesn't need us, but he loves us. And he just wants you to know that. When suffering does happen, we need to look at the example of Jesus. We need to say, God, I trust you. Your will be done. No matter what happens, your will be done. And sometimes it's not the results we are looking for because our plans and God plans don't, God's plans don't always match. But your will be done. God, I trust you. And let's not forget that we were created to glorify God, not ourselves. And one of the best ways we can glorify God is to look to him in the hard times during the suffering. So you might be asking, so what does depending on God during suffering look like? You're, you're talking this great talk, but what does it look like? For that, we go to James chapter 1. Verse 2 through 4 says this. Consider it great joy, my brothers, and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. 
James reminds us that our joy comes from the Lord. So, so when we are in the midst of suffering, we can consider it joy. We can look at the joy to come. Because because we know that that what the promise we know what the promise of God is and what He's made for us is that that if, if we accept Him, if, if we did ask Christ to be our Savior, we get to spend eternity with Him forever without pain, without suffering. And it's the promise God has made to us. That's why He died on the cross so that we can have that. He, he rose again, defeated death. Death is not something we have to be afraid of when we have Christ. This is the endurance that James is talking about. When we patiently endure everything this world throws at us, it only builds our faith in God and grows our relationship with him. We might not be able to control the suffering. But we can control how we respond to it. When Jesus was on the cross, he was forgiving, forgiving a murderer, those who put him there, and giving sinners like you and me a chance at salvation. Jesus didn't have a smile on his face while he was being crucified, but he knew the joy to come afterwards. The joy of seeing us up there with him, worshiping him without pain or suffering. And I encourage you all, all, all of you all here today, to be here Friday as we do go through the crucifixion of Jesus in detail through Scripture. And see just how much he suffered for you and me on the cross. All he endured for us. After we do accept Christ, we have a mission. First is to make sure that we teach our children the word of God. We must teach them how to deal with suffering and to show them the love of God. We're living in a period where we're teaching them who God is and who God's not is a crucial thing because there's false teaching everywhere you look. There's distractions everywhere you look. You can't expect them to just know. I can only do so much in, in teaching them. I love hanging out with the youth. I love teaching the youth. I love doing events with them. But I can only do so much. I only see them so little, unless you go to every event, and I see them pretty much every day almost. But, um, no, but you spend every day with them. They, they're looking to you as an example of how they should live. I love teaching them, but you, you have to be involved too. To teach them how to deal with suffering, how to, how to deal with the hard times, how to, who God is and who God's not. You're the biggest impact in their lives. The Joshua Project is all about helping them learn that they can teach others about Christ. But if we never teach them, if we don't push them, they never will. Second, our mission is to share the gospel with those who are lost around us. There's people suffering every day who are lost. And that's keeping them from Christ because they're blaming him. 
Because they don't know the truth. We have a, me- a mission to share the gospel with those who are lost. We have to tell them there's hope in the midst of all the darkness around them. And the truth is, not everyone's going to accept Christ, unfortunately. So we share the gospel. If they don't accept it, don't beat yourself up for it. It is on them, but continue to pray for them. Those who reject Christ will ultimately suffer for an eternity without him. And that's why we have to at least try. You think suffering here on earth is horrible. It's nothing compared to suffering forever without, completely without God. There is no hope there. We have to try to share the gospel with those who need it the most. If you're here today and you're like, I've been suffering and I don't have a relationship with Christ, in a few minutes we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. I'll, I'll be in the back and, and in the library. And if you are here today and you're like, I want to start a relationship with this God, this loving God, come talk to me. I'd love to help you with that. I'd love to help you begin a relationship with God. The only one who's going to help you endure this life. If, if, if you're here and you've already accepted Christ, I'd still love to talk to you. If, if, those, if suffering has pulled you away from the sight of God, if, 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 if distractions has, has taken your mind away from God, and, and you just want to pray about that, I'd love to pray for you there too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so, so much for being so, so kind to us, Lord, for showing us a reckless love that we don't even deserve. You don't need us, but you love us. God, thank you so much for being who you are. God, just, just awake hearts, Lord, to who you are. Jesus' name I pray. Amen.